Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words, so listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. Hello and welcome to A Million Other Choices. I am your host, Kim. The story I am bringing you today is from Calgary. The disappearance of an up-and-coming actress and an ending that will have you thinking, what the heck is wrong with some people in this world? This is the murder of Shannon Medill Burgess. Shannon was born on July 6, 1989, to her parents Lisa and David Medill. She came into the family as a pint-sized firecracker, and her brothers Tyler and Brent and sister Erin adored her from the minute she came home. And how could they not? Shannon, from the very beginning, was a bundle of energy and fun and quirkiness, and most of all, a little actress. This love of acting and making people laugh and just all-around outgoingness followed her. At Central Memorial High, where she attended, She was super active in the music and drama program. She could play just about any instrument she picked up and was always in the drama room. She was in the Calgary Stampede show band and after high school continued doing anything in the arts that she could, from stand-up to improv, stage and voice work and any film roles, however small. Her family says of Shannon, quote, Shannon was a sweet, quirky, loving, passionate, generous soul. Not only did she enjoy life to the fullest, but she was able to show you how to come along on that journey, end quote. She was the baby of the family and reveled in the attention that that brought. A ham from day one. She had lovely ginger locks and was a very pretty and petite young woman, but not intimidating about it. She had an approachable quality about her that drew you in and she didn't take herself too seriously. Her sister Erin told Oxygen that she had a way of making even the most mundane tasks seem fun. Shannon was someone that when you were around her, the world just seemed more joyful. In 2010, when she was 21, she went to a party of mutual friends and met Josh Burgess, who was her opposite in personality. He was more shy and quiet, and the balance of their personalities made them hit it off from the start. Josh loved her joyful and spunkiness, and she was calmed and brought down to earth by Josh's unflustered and zen attitude. Shannon faced a lot of rejection from auditions, and Josh was there for her as her rock. Four years into their relationship, while planning their wedding, they both decided that a big fancy wedding wasn't wasn't really their thing, and they instead got married by an officiant with only her parents and his in attendance as witnesses. Aaron told Nancy Hickst of Crime Beat that they had also both agreed that they didn't want children, and they agreed between the two of them, and Josh and Shannon were open with their families, that they had decided to keep the marriage open. But they remained head over heels for each other, 
It was just something that they decided together would keep the marriage fresh. Let's not get our knickers in a knot over it. The family didn't have a problem with it because their communication was so open. And Josh was good with it, and so was Shannon. It was just something that worked for them. They were both consenting, and it wasn't a secret, and they often actually even met each other's dating partners. After getting married, Josh got a job with the government doing administrative work, and Shannon traveled around often to Edmonton for auditions and her work. They settled into a house on Spiller Road in the Ramsey area. So again, this arrangement worked for them, but when they hit a bumpy patch in 2014, they decided to close the marriage back up and work on it by being exclusive. But at the same time, Shannon's career was taking her more and more to Edmonton, and she was just struggling with the, do I stay and work on this, or do I pursue my dream? And Josh was struggling with the, do I stay exclusive, or do I want it open? So they just kind of started avoiding each other more and more, which was pretty easy to do since Josh worked days and Shannon often worked either nights or out of town. And again, they were pretty open with their communication. At least Shannon was with her sister Erin about the struggles that they were experiencing. They had started to live separate lives, but under the same roof. Um, I think they were thinking that it was either going to, that it was just going to work itself out the way it was meant to. They would either move on from each other or they would start to reconnect. So they didn't separate from each other. Shannon made arrangements to meet her brother at Stage West, which is a local dinner theater, on November 30th. But she didn't show, which was not really a big deal. It was a bit annoying, but Shannon was known for being a bit ADHD. Which, okay, I will say it, flaky at times, and probably forgot or got busy and forgot to call or something. And according to her dad on Crime Beat, he said, quote, Shannon was a marvelous person and she had many things, but she was a bit flighty at times and she could, you know, kind of forget things and not necessarily let people know, end quote. Her dad texted her right away saying something like, hey, you were supposed to be at dinner with Brett, and she didn't answer, so again, no big deal, sometimes that's just Shannon. And the next morning, she still wasn't answering either her dad or her brother's calls, and they figured she was either embarrassed about messing up or just didn't want to hear it. So they told Erin, and Erin figured she would try because she wouldn't be expecting her not to answer her call but she didn't. So later that night, the family's getting worried. They've talked to Josh and he doesn't know where she is. He thought that she might be in Edmonton. He saw her briefly on the 27th and he went to bed, but wasn't thinking anything until he found out that the family hadn't heard from her. Aaron reminds them all that when she's feeling really overwhelmed or just kind of depressed, she'll just shut off the world. And she had Also, a big audition coming up a couple of days before, so maybe she didn't get that audition. And her dad also reminds them that there was a huge snowstorm the last that she'd been seen or heard from. And Josh is feeling terrible because he says that they kind of argued the night of the 27th when he last saw her and that she had gone out for a walk that night to think. And now he's thinking, what if something happened to her? So they're all thinking about all the terrible things that could have happened to her. And of course, none of them could stop thinking about the time a few months prior that her dad had revealed to Nancy Hicks that when Shannon had called Josh from an LRT station saying that she was thinking of jumping and wanted him to come and get her. So Aaron reached out to the Calgary Police Missing Persons Unit And they did take it seriously, but unlike me, who don't hear from your kids for three hours and I immediately jump to they've been murdered, the police are more concerned about one of the other scenarios. 
the big snowstorm and the travel that she did on the highways, that feeling of being overwhelmed, maybe, maybe a a shady audition, uh, and the unconventional marriage that they had. Obviously, they had had their eyes on Josh because of that. Um, He had been forthcoming about the argument and and that they were considering divorce, but also just because it's always the husband. But everyone was forthcoming about everything. The mix-up about the theater date, the argument, their marriage, so no one's really hiding anything. The police are also concerned that something bad has happened because it wasn't like her not to reach out to anyone. I mean anyone. Even when she was feeling down. And there had also been no bank transactions or social media posts. And they were also aware of the incident at the train station because Josh had called for the police help at that time, so they had a record of it. So they held a press conference attended by her family, including Josh, her parents, and siblings. Erin spoke about Shannon and pleaded for her to reach out if she could and for any information that might lead to her being found. Uh, The Calgary Police Service is seeking public assistance to locate a woman who went missing late last week. Anyone who may have information about her whereabouts is asked to call police or Crime Stoppers anonymously. Uh, family's been very cooperative with us, and up until we were uh, called in, which was on the first when the family became concerned because she'd missed an appointment, uh, we came in shortly thereafter. Our family's been very cooperative with us, supplied us with everything we need, um, and they're a big part of this investigation to locate her. Don't really want to get into any of the details of the investigation right now, but the reason we're reaching out to the media is because we're hoping that with this media presence and with uh, the publicity that somebody will know where she is and has seen her and could come forward with some information to help us in locating her. We have her cell phone, okay. so she's obviously not using her cell phone as we have it. Um, family was more than cooperative in supplying that to us. Yeah. As you know, if somebody uh, decides to go off the grid intentionally, um, they have to make plans and they have to have some money, so we're definitely looking at the banking. It's unusual for her to be out of contact with her family. She has a very close, tight-knit family. Uh, all we want is that wherever she is, that if she's with somebody, that they reach out to either us or the family. She's not in any trouble with us at all, and if she decides that that's what she wants, um, we're happy to step down and back away, but we want to know where she is and that she's safe. We're not expecting to come back, and you're not in any trouble with us. We just (laughs) want to know where you are. My name is Erin Medill. I'm Shannon's older sister. Uh, This is Josh. This is Shannon's husband. Uh, This is my mother, Lisa. This is Lindsay, our sister-in-law, our brother, Brett. This is my other brother, Tyler. And that's my father, David. Uh, So when my father called me to ask if I had spoken to her, I hadn't. And that's when I started calling her. And I actually contacted Josh at that point in time. And when we hadn't heard back and Josh returned home that night and she wasn't there, that's when we became concerned and called the police. It wasn't until Monday night that we knew that she had missed a whole bunch of other appointments over the weekend as well. Of course, we're all very optimistic that my sister will be returned to us as soon as possible and very safe. Uh, We're going to stay optimistic as long as we possibly can. She's never cut off contact. My sister is a very outgoing, very social girl. She very much enjoys spending time with friends. Even the previous weekend when she was in Edmonton, there were so many people that have told us that they were hanging out with her. So it is unbelievably unlikely for her to disappear and not actually contact anybody. Uh, And even within the family, she definitely speaks to us on a fairly regular basis. As I said, she was actually in contact with my younger brother just the day before she left. This is my sister. She's a lovely, outgoing girl. And Shannon, if you see this, please, you're not in trouble. We all love you and we miss you so much. We don't need to know where you are. We just want to know that you're safe. 
If you see this, please, please contact the police and just let us know that you're okay. We want to know you're okay. Even if you don't come home, just that we know that you're okay because you are so loved and you are so missed. And we just, just please let us know that you're okay wherever you are. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune into the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There are no accurate data statistics on people that go missing and how many of those turn out to be homicides. But what data there is suggests that women are more likely to go missing as a result of violence than men. And when a person is missing for longer than a few days, the likelihood of homicide goes up because suicides can't hide their bodies and are usually found at some point. And going off-grid for women is more likely to result in some contact with family at some point. The police interviewed a number of people, including some of the last few guys that she dated and some of the last women Josh had dated to no avail. And of course, they interviewed Josh a number of times. His story never changed. They spoke briefly on the night of the 27th of November, and it was a kind of argument, but not a knockdown drag out, more of a why are your shoes by the door kind of argument. And she went for a walk, and he went to bed soon after that. He figured she came home later after he was asleep and left to go to Edmonton for work, and then that's where she was. He wasn't being shady or deceptive about anything, and he certainly wasn't on any of Shannon's family's radar as being involved. He felt terrible that the last time he had saw her, they were kind of salty with each other, and if something bad had happened to her, he's going to never forgive himself. And jealousy wasn't an issue between them, obviously. Only a short time after she disappeared, Josh called the police and told them that he had just found her cell phone in a pair of Shannon's pants. And that's when the first creeping thoughts of something sinister came up for everyone. These days, no one goes anywhere willingly without their phone but they are hoping that this is going to be a major find. So they pull the records, and not just the records of the phone calls and texts, but of the phone's locations as well. But there wasn't anything really helpful on the phone. No angry or threatening texts, no unfamiliar locations, no plans to meet anyone around the time she disappeared. But all activity did stop at 12.30 a.m. on November 27th. But Detective Christina Witt, who worked the case, revealed to Crime Beat that there was one odd thing about the phone. There were no calls or texts after 12.30, but around 12 hours later than that, so the afternoon of the 27th, the phone goes on what Christina refers to as a walkabout. It is amazing to me how detailed GPS can get these days. The phone goes out the back door of her house on Spiller Road and into the back alley and kind of paces around and then goes back in the back door of the house. The 27th was a Thursday, so maybe that's when she was getting ready to leave to wherever she was going and she forgot her phone. But this thing with the phone is just bugging Christina. No real reason, but something about it doesn't feel right. But there is no murder, just a girl gone missing who might 
just not want to be found or might have gone off distraught over something. Almost six months goes by with no word from Shannon and the family becoming more and more convinced and grief-stricken that Shannon is probably no longer alive. And that is when Detective Christina Witt from The Missing Persons comes in. The file was transferred to her and she picked up where the trail went cold and circles back to this phone activity and this little walkabout it went on. Christina told Oxygen that originally Josh had said that he didn't recognize the phone until December 1st. Quote, that part of his story didn't make a lot of sense. People were calling and texting Shannon, but he said he didn't notice the ringing for that long period of time. End quote. And about that walk about the phone did, she says, quote, it was almost like somebody was trying to show that she was alive and moving that phone around, but just didn't move that phone far enough where it made sense. End quote. And this thinking led her back to Josh the last person that saw her, the man considering a divorce, the man that had argued with her just before she disappeared. It's not a huge leap to make. I mean, it's pretty much always the husband. They had done cursory searches of the Burgess's house before. Uh, it was her residence, after all, and Josh had always been pretty cooperative, and there was nothing found that looked out of the ordinary or didn't match with his story. But this time, they decided maybe if they show up with a search warrant, it will rattle him a bit. I mean, there's no body, so no evidence of a crime. So they'll either find a lead or another dead end. What's the harm in trying? So on July 2nd, 2015, so that was about seven months after her disappearance, they knock on Josh's door, this time armed with that search warrant. But he's not coming to the door. So Christina calls his cell phone and he answers and is kind of stalling at first. And then he blurts out that he killed his wife, which was kind of unexpected. I guess not so much that he killed her, but that he admitted it just then. After some phone negotiations, he comes out of the house in his boxers covered in blood. It seems in his panic he wasn't sure what to do, so he started cutting at his neck with a pocket knife but not enough to sever any arteries, so he was treated for superficial wounds and taken to the police station to be interviewed. Police brought in cadaver dogs to the house and found three different locations, a retaining wall at the front of the house on two shovels that were leaning against the house and on the rear porch. When they dug up the front yard, they found Shannon. Josh said that when that back when they were going through their rough patch, which likely had to do with the LRT station incident, just conjecture here, when they decided to close out the marriage and make it just the two of them, Josh didn't really do that. According to his sister Erin, she told Nancy Hicks that Shannon had found phone messages between him and his latest side girlfriend, and she told him to end it. He said he would, but he wanted to do it in person, but instead told the side girlfriend that he was planning on leaving Shannon and would be with her. Shannon found out and was furious and obviously very hurt, and Shannon was making plans to move out. Josh told police that on the night of November 27th, he had come home and she was there watching TV. He asked her if they could have makeup sex, and they did. Only there had been a miscommunication, and Shannon thought that what he had asked for was breakup sex. When she realized that Josh was thinking they had made up, she got very angry and started telling him exactly what she thought of him, including that she regretted marrying him and that she was disgusted by him. 
Josh says he just wanted her to stop talking, so he put his hand over her mouth and nose, and then she bit him. And that's when he got on top of her and started to strangle her. He said, quote, I killed her with my hands, and when my hands got tired, I used a belt. End quote. Yes, he got tired from strangling his wife, so he pulled his belt out of his pants that he was wearing and used that. After she was dead, he put her body in a Rubbermaid garbage pail and pulled it out to the deck of the house. And after a few months, when the ground thawed enough, he buried her in the front yard and covered her body with dirt and some branches. And Josh said, quote, I chose my lawn because I just didn't want her to leave, end quote. So obviously he was charged with her murder, second degree, that is, and a couple of other details came out about Josh's activities during the time he sat knowing exactly where Shannon was and letting her family agonize for months over what had happened to her. He kept his online dating profile on OkCupid open and active under the username JustJoshingUA, which he accessed as late as May 9th of 2014, so six months into her disappearance. In his profile, he says that he is in it for new friends, short-term dating, mostly non-monogamous, and under the drug section he had selected sometimes, and was looking for women between the ages of 18 and 45. He had a total of five pictures posted, including ones with Shannon. Kind of a douche. A news outlet that I wasn't able to determine which one actually got the scoop, but an employee at the 7-Eleven near their house said that Josh often came in after his wife disappeared with a girlfriend and would have lots of PDA while waiting in line, holding hands, kissing, that kind of thing. At the sentencing hearing, Justice Pat Sullivan said, quote, The details are gruesome, painful, and undignified. We've lost physically one life. We've lost spiritually, emotionally, many others, including the accused, end quote. In the victim impact statements, Aaron Shannon's sister said in part, he kept us suffering for so long, intentionally keeping us in limbo. I've lost myself. I've lost my lifelong best friend. Her father said, all I'm left with now is the desire to protect Shannon's memory as best I can. There was no indication at all on her part that she had any concerns for her safety. And then he said to Josh directly, Today, I hope, is the last day I ever see you. Shannon's mom talked about her loss and how it was, and how it has completely broken her spirit and her body, and how Christmas without her and decorating a tree and decorating in general is just too much for them now. Quote, it doesn't feel right to decorate the house without her. But she offered words of support to Josh's parents, saying, quote, I have a huge amount of compassion for Josh's mother. Um, but then he, she did add that he kept us dangling in limbo for seven horrifying months. When asked if he had anything to say, Josh stood and said, quote, I'm very sorry for the vows that I made that I promised to look after her no matter what the circumstances were. I failed her in that. For several months afterwards, everybody stood by me unquestionably. I failed all of you in that, and I'm so very sorry for that, and so very sorry that I didn't say something earlier, end quote. Shannon's brother Tyler said outside the court to the media that no sentence would ever be sufficient to make up for the loss that they've endured. And that was the terrible murder of Shannon Medill Burgess. What I think is so frightening about this case is how much in love Shannon and Josh had been with each other. And to go from that to murder 
and when there were really no warning signs. I mean, lots of, lots of marriages fall apart every year. I've been divorced myself. I know how hard to move on. And it's certainly devastating if for you if you're not the one that wanted the divorce and you still love that person. But tell that to your therapist. Don't strangle the person with your belt and keep their body in a bin. And the fact that he stood by their side acting all grief-stricken and worried about her whereabouts without saying anything, I mean, that's just another layer to the betrayal. I have said it before, everyone you know is capable of murdering you. I will be back again next week with another story of betrayal. Thank you so much for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.